Welcome to the Sacred Ancestry Podcast, a show about discovering the true human potential. Let's dive deep into physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. When you listen to the Sacred Ancestry podcast, you're supporting wildland firefighters and their mental health journey. So thank you, and I appreciate you. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast so I can become the best podcaster I can be. You can become a Patreon, which means donating $10 a month will get you two free rollers of essential oils or $50 a month, and that's one free coaching session per month. So I want you to subscribe and leave a review so I can become the best podcaster possible. Thank you, and I appreciate you. Who are you not being and what are you not doing in life? Discover the person you know you could be at mountainmindtricks.com. What if you become the person you know you could be? What would happen if you only had positive thoughts and feelings about your future? What would happen if you didn't have negative emotions or limiting beliefs? Mountain Mind Tricks is specialized in eight-hour sessions that release anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, and anxiety forever. Get 30 years of therapy in eight hours. All you have to do is go to mountainmindtricks.com, click the discovery session button, schedule a time, and fill out the form. Go to mountainmindtricks.com. I discovered this new technology recently. Check out mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection. Essential Vibes has this resonant frequency wristband, which stops EMFs from stressing your body. Because that stress is removed, People are seeing dramatic improvements in pain management, strength, mental clarity, memory, sleep, and a bunch of other things. Go to mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection and check it out. You know, the first time I saw this, I totally thought it was a scam. You know, but then I put it on, I was able to test my strength and balance and see that it improved significantly. Even my sleep has changed. I was so impressed with this, I had to add this to my business. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection. Hi, welcome everybody to the show, to Sacred Ancestry Podcast, and I'm so excited to have Sean Michael Crane on the show, and uh, his story is so inspiring, it's going to change your life, I promise, and and uh, Sean is an author, uh, he's got a book coming out, a life coach, and and Sean, can you introduce yourself and kind of tell us how you got here and, and what you're doing now? Yeah, man, I mean, where do you want me to start, you know? Um <laughs> It's been a, a journey to get here. Um, as far as right now, what I'm doing, um, I work with men and help them to really find more balance in their lives between busy work schedules, raising children, um, and just battling, you know, our maybe demons and things that we haven't dealt with from the past to, to really forge like new new identities and to create the life we've always wanted. So um, I can relate to that wholeheartedly, Thomas, because. Uh, of my past and the things that I went through that I struggled through to get to this point. So would you like me to to go from the beginning and kind of tell you what those challenges and hardships were? Yeah. And I guess, you know, for the people talking, I mean, are, are watching the the biggest thing, right, is that you you went to prison for something you didn't do. Right. I mean, that's kind of the core of the story, but I'm sure there's a lot more before that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's where my personal transformation took place. And leading up to that experience, I'll I'll go into detail about that. 
but it's really important to understand like prior to that, I grew up in a really beautiful community, Santa Barbara, California, where there's so much opportunity and just, it's, it's beautiful. It's one of the places that people travel to for vacation. Um, and as a kid, I loved to surf. I loved sports. I had so much ambition and goals and dreams and they were shattered, man. When I started realizing that my parents were addicted to drugs and alcohol and our home broke apart. You know, we went through a lot of hardships that devastated me. Um, at the age of 14, my first month as a freshman in high school, my dad got arrested in front of us in dramatic fashion with guns drawn. And it was just insane. And so he went to prison. And then my mother, shortly after that, left the household. Um, she succumbed to her addiction and she left. So my siblings and I were with our with my uncle Mike, who was an amazing human being and took care of us. But we were devastated by my parents leaving. And so this sent me down a dark path. You know, I stopped playing sports. I stopped dreaming like I did before. Like I stopped seeing the world as a friendly and welcoming place. And I started seeing the world as a negative place. And I had so much trauma internally, so much emotional, um, you know, baggage, so to speak, that I hadn't dealt with or I didn't know how to cope that I started using drugs and alcohol myself to numb that pain. And this for a decade of me just living aimlessly with no direction, with you know, nothing to look forward to. I was so careless in the way I lived and allowed these precious moments of life to pass me by. I barely graduated high school. I didn't play sports like I wanted to. I had no, no vision of what I wanted my life to be like. I was just in survival mode. So leading up to the night of my arrest, I had been, I had been going down this really negative path. Um, I had managed to, to get a job after high school. And I was doing all right for myself, Thomas. Like I wasn't in in most people's eyes, a deadbeat. From the outside looking in, I looked healthy. I was working full time, but I liked to drink after work. I took pills to, you know, numb the pain in my back, but that was an excuse. I was really trying to numb the pain in here that I hadn't dealt with. So from the outside looking in, everything seemed fine. My family, my, my friends, the community, no one knew that I was so distraught, but internally I was a mess, man. And um, so what happened was I ended up going to a party one night in Santa Barbara, California um, with a friend. Now, we were going to this party where we knew absolutely nobody. It was just kind of like a stop on the way to downtown, to the bars and clubs. That's where we were going. It was a Friday night. I was 23 years old. Um, so we stopped at this house party on the way downtown, not knowing anybody there, just something to do. Now, at that party, I saw a girl that I had known from the past, and she was with a group of three guys. We were all talking and drinking and just kind of making small talk and killing a little time before we headed out downtown. Now, the group of guys that she was with, they got into an altercation with another group of strangers I'd never seen before. In the kitchen, they were arguing. I don't know what it was about, but it, it died down and everything was fine. We went back to drinking and talking and socializing. Um, and so a couple hours go by and then we're going to leave the party. My friend and I who showed up there and go downtown, like I said. Uh, so we're leaving. And as we're leaving, um, the group of guys that I was socializing with, they're going their separate direction. We're all leaving together at the same time. Um, and we get outside and that, that group of guys that they had gotten the altercation with followed us out. And apparently they weren't ready to let whatever happened go. So now they're all face to face on the lawn in front of the house. And I'm standing over here kind of observing everything when a fight just breaks out. Pandemonium breaks out. There's people flying everywhere, wrestling around. It's, it's a brawl, you know, in the front yard. 
And um, in the midst of it, I'm seeing a guy right in front of me come towards me. And I'm thinking that he's going to, you know, we're going to fight. And out of nowhere, I get completely blindsided. I didn't see who it was. I didn't see what was happening. I just know that there's a lot of people moving into me. And now I'm grabbing onto someone, trying not to fall on the ground. And I get slammed into a car. And then I get tackled to the ground. And I'm thinking I'm getting jumped. I thought that some of the guys on that other side, for whatever reason, zeroed in on me and they were going to jump me. So I expected to start getting kicked and punched immediately. And that didn't happen. And all the while I'm bear hugging someone on top of me, trying to just hold on so that they can't get up and start hitting me. Um, and I couldn't get out from this guy. I was trying to over and over and over. And finally, I rolled him over. Um, and as I'm getting up, I threw two punches at him because I thought that these guys were attacking me. So I punched him and they, they grazed the side of his head. They grazed the side of his head. So when he didn't get up after me, I thought it was odd. You know, my first thought as all this is happening is, wow, I guess one of my punches hit him and he's knocked out. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know how to make sense of it. It's happening so quickly. Um, so suddenly I hear, Sean, let's go, let's go. There's somebody in the street yelling my name. And it's my friend that I went to the party with. I go to walk to the street and I'm limping because my back is all messed up. My leg and everything got damaged from getting tackled into that car. And as soon as I get to the street, man, I, I stand under the lamp, the light. And uh, he looks at me. He's like, Sean, what the hell? You're covered in blood. And my whole shirt, my face, I mean, I'm dripping, drenched in blood, in human blood, man. And it was crazy. It was crazy. And at that moment, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, he starts running up the street. He's like, let's get out of here. You know, it was a huge melee in the front of this house. And you could hear sirens already at that point. The cops are coming. And so we limp up. I'm limping up the street and he's waving me into this laundromat that's off the, off the side. And I limp in there. And as I do, cop cars race by with their lights on um, and it's just chaos. And we get in there and he's like, dude, your shirt's covered in blood. Walk around like this. What are you what are you doing? Take it off. And he went and grabbed some random shirt out of the dryer in there and threw it to me. And so I switched my clothes out. And in the midst of all this, somehow he had called a cab. So literally up the street, there's a cab waiting for us. I limp up to the cab and we get in and we leave. And it's like this getaway, you know, uh, it happened so quick. And I'm trying to make sense of what's going on. You know, I know now that obviously someone was seriously hurt. I mean, the amount of blood, it wasn't a bloody nose or a bloody lip. Like it was a bucket of blood poured over my head. So as we get to his house, we're both very altered. We were drinking all night. I was abusing pills at that time. Like I wasn't even in my right state of mind, but I knew something bad had happened. Um, we both ended up passing out and falling asleep. And the next morning I woke up and it was like waking up in, into a nightmare that you thought you had got away from, right? But this thing wasn't going away, man. And uh, I Googled, you know, fight at the Mesa, which is where uh, the party was located on the Mesa in Santa Barbara, California. And sure enough, it says two individuals were stabbed that night in a big brawl in a house party. And I, I knew right then and there that this was very serious and that there was going to be repercussions. Now, I knew that the cops were going to be looking for me. I thought that they were going to detain me and try to get me to tell them what happened, uh, try to give them information. I had no idea that I was the main suspect and they were looking for me to charge me with the crime of stabbing these guys. I never in a million years would have thought that that was the case. But what happened was the SWAT team showed up at that house that I was at. They had AR-15 rifles pointed at me, dogs barking, like 50 SWAT officers. It seemed like it was insane. And they handcuffed me and they, they took me to, to jail. They charged me with attempted murder 
And that was how I was arrested. That was really what happened, man. And that's when my whole life changed. Man, that is, that is an insane story. You know, just, um, having, having a good time, going to a party, heading to the bars, you know, we've all done that. And, and just some crazy shit went down that, you know, you kind of were just there watching, like, that's such a crazy story. And so, um, you know, I was just reading your book about how, um, this time that you spent in jail, it was really this time of self introspection. Like you really went deep into every mistake, every little thing that happened in your life. You kind of reviewed it. It was almost, when I was reading this, it was like, oh my gosh, like Sean almost went through like this near death kind of review, like review process of your life, right? I mean, that's just kind of what I took from your writing, but like, tell us more about that experience. Like what was going on for you during that time in prison? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a profound time. And what you just said is really important to acknowledge that I, I really took it as if I, I died or I almost died and I got a second chance. Um, one of my friends, he, he told me that. He's like, you know why you're changing in the midst of my transformation? He's like, because you took this experience as if you died and got a second chance at life. And that's what I felt. When I was locked up in that cell, you know, I, I, I saw the truth, man. Um, and I had a profound form of regret that started to surface in me for the way I lived my life. Suddenly, here I am at the age of 23. They're charging me with an attempted murder. And that carries a life sentence. So at that point, I didn't know how much prison time I was going to do. I didn't know how long I was going to be incarcerated. And what I saw was that I had just wasted my life, that I had neglected any opportunity, any moment that I was in and lived so carelessly and allowed it to just slip by. Right. And here I was being confined and incarcerated for a crime I didn't commit. Now, I didn't feel guilty for being at that party. Obviously, I shouldn't have been out there. And I shouldn't have been in that altercation, right? That was my part. I shouldn't have been out there, right? But I was, and I was there because of the lifestyle that I was in. And I, I didn't feel guilty for the crime they charged me with because I wasn't guilty of that. But I felt immensely guilty for the way I'd chosen to live my life because in my heart, deep down inside, that's not who I was. Deep down inside, I'm the kid that loved to play at the beats, that loved to play sports, that was full of joy and excitement and wanted to live this life. Not the person, the shell of the person that I'd become, uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol, always making excuses about why he's not doing anything with his life, always worrying about what other people are going to say, their judgments, their opinions, and that dictated the way I lived my life. So I had to face that, and I saw the truth inside that cell, and it revolutionized the way I lived, uh, the way I felt, everything from that moment forward. Um, I remember just sitting there and thinking, you know, I'm never going to live as that inferior version of myself ever again. I don't care if they send me to prison for life. Every day, every moment from this instant forward, I'm going to be the person in my heart that I know that I can be. Um, and I started to. I started to. And at first, it first occurred with me just being honest with myself. You know, for the longest time, I was in denial. Denial about my parents. Denial about my addiction. Um, and I ran from it all. And I, I hid from it. And I didn't want to face the reality of, what my life had become because I was embarrassed and ashamed. So it was really me acknowledging all that stuff and coming to terms with it that allowed me to start transforming my life from that moment on. Oh man, it's, it's so inspiring. And, and I can't wait for people to read your book because it's, when I was going through it, it was like, uh, I think about the eight month period, there's 
there's kind of, you got, you got a sentence finally. Um, and it was six to seven years. Right. And, and that was the moment that you decided to like, this is a spiritual journey for myself. And I think maybe it's not written exactly like that, but it, it seemed like this is a spiritual journey. And, and you really went through this amazing spiritual transformation. And I think one of the moments in there that's, that's really inspiring is, is, um, you know, and I wanted to ask you more about this of like, there's this moment that you talk about of, of, is there a God? And it's like this whole energy shift in your entire body, like everything changed in that exact moment. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was incredible. It was something that you might see in a movie or read about, but you never think that you will experience. It was, it was like supernatural, you know, um, at that time, well, months prior to me being incarcerated, I remember I was, I was somewhere and, Somebody had mentioned the word God. They had used God in, as a reference to something. And I looked at them, almost resentful. I was like, there's no God. You know, you think there's a God? And that was just, that was my my inner pain and the stuff I didn't dealt with, like getting upset that someone could think that life would be so beautiful to have this God and this, this energy that was going to care for us and guide us. I couldn't connect. I couldn't relate. So going into the county jail and I'm going through this internal transformation, right? I'm like going through this revival. Uh, yeah, this revival. I'm just completely um, within myself, analyzing every moment of my life and what led me to that point. Um, and so my cellmate at the time, every morning he would read the Bible. He would read the Bible and he'd talk about God. Um, and I had never really gone to church. I knew, you know, about scripture and stuff like that, but I wasn't somebody who would read the Bible and talk about God. And so it was already on my mind. And I was kind of seeing the changes in him and I was thinking a lot. And I remember just one night I was reflecting and I don't remember what the thought process was up to this moment, but the lights were out and I'm up on my top bunk, just thinking, reflecting. And out of nowhere, I, I blurred out the words, there is a God, isn't there? And it wasn't a question as much as it was a statement, a fact, like a truth that I knew in my heart. And in that moment, I had this surge of energy, this like palpable energy just flood my body. I mean, from the core of my, my being all the way out to my fingertips and my extremities. And it was magical, man. It was invigorating. Like I was, I was completely vibrating with this energy I'd never felt before. And it was, it was insane. And from that moment on, my life has never been the same. Uh, I haven't been the same. It's, it's hard to put in words really, but I think if people look at the way I've lived since then and the things that I've been able to experience and the way my life has turned out, that um it's that's why you know yeah absolutely and and you know I, i've had a similar experience i guess i kind of frame it in the way of kundalini and and that energy coming through your body is so it is totally supernatural like i totally when you said that i was like yeah man i know exactly what you're talking about that energy is is beyond words and it's really hard to explain that moment so so after this transformation of of the um, really the retrospection, the introspection to yourself, um, kind of this God moment, like what's happening next? Like, I, I think in the, in the book, you talk about all your letters and all the communication going out. Like people are like, man, Sean's like so happy to be in prison. Like this is insane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At first people were kind of skeptical. I'm sure. Uh, maybe they didn't know if I was just trying to put on a show or put on a front. So they didn't worry as far as family members and stuff like that. But uh, and the more visits I got, the more letters I wrote over the years, they could see that I really was transforming, that something was different in me. And I'll never forget one day at visiting my Uncle Mike, who was always there in my life from the moment I was born. He was the one who took care of us when my parents left. Uh, he looked at me 
And he was just like, had this look on his face and he goes, you're back, you're back, you know? And uh, he said, I haven't seen you smile or laugh this much in years since you were a little kid. And for me, that was one of the most gratifying moments of my life because I felt really ashamed for the way I had acted when I was so um, lost in my ways. He and I had grown apart because I wasn't the same person. And he always tried to talk to me and reach me and tell me, you know, about how I was behaving and that I was turning out to be like my parents. And he didn't want to see that. Um, but so to have that moment where he saw the change in me and he knew and we connected in that moment, that was everything, you know, and, and I was. I mean, I was happier in that jail cell with nothing than I had been for the last 10 years of my life as a free man. Oh man, that's so beautiful. And, and I think to me, this book is so powerful because of what happened last year, right? It's almost like this global wide prison cell that we've all been in this pandemic, the shutdowns, and it's so powerful, your story. And I just want to say thank you for sharing and like, thank you so much for, for your story. And, and where, where does this story apply to other people? Like, how are you helping people with this immense like self-knowledge and in this this transformation that you went through what are you doing now with this yeah well I, I coach I'm a, a life coach and the reason I wrote this book first of all was to just share my story with people because I want them to know that no matter what you are going through no matter what hardships you faced uh, it doesn't define you that's not the end of your journey you know and a lot of times for me personally my hardships and the toughest moments of my life have been the greatest blessings Going to prison was the greatest experience of my life. Now, imagine if you could say that, that going to prison for five years for a crime you didn't commit was the best thing that ever could happen to you. So it's all perspective, right? If I would have went into that time in prison, resentful at the judge and the DA and my lawyers for not realizing the truth, if I would have been you know, negative and upset because I have to be around convicted felons who are doing drugs and committing acts of violence, if I would have just dwelled on that the whole time, I wouldn't have changed. I would have been worse off and I would have been miserable. And I think that correlates directly with what we're going through right now with this worldwide pandemic and having our liberties taken from us, having our lives turned upside down, all this adversity that we're facing, right? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's maybe not fair or it's not what we're accustomed to, but there are so many learning lessons. When we go through these challenging times, we can grow and learn so much. And so anybody that is facing a tough time now, whether it's because of the pandemic or maybe because of addiction or their demons that they haven't addressed yet, you need to pay attention to what's happening. And the signs are all around you. The things that are challenging you right now are the things that you need to deal with in order to, to reach that next stage in your life or to start pursuing what you really want to be doing. Like the signs are there and we got to pay attention to them. So if you go into this experience expecting it to harm you with a victim mentality, then that's exactly what you will get, you know, but if we go into it with an open mind thinking, okay, what can I learn from this? What is this teaching me? Right. And imagine the person that does that and perseveres. Imagine that individual in 2025, when things are back to normal, how they're going to function. Imagine that person, right. Raising their children or running their business and um, their relationships, everything like they're going to be better off and they're going to have a positive impact on the people around them because of it. Oh man, I love that. And like finding the lesson in, in the adversity, like you're saying is so powerful, isn't it? I mean, finding what is teaching me right now, what is like, this hardship is really like tough and, and extraneous and hard, but it's like the lesson is so powerful because that's how we change our perspective. Like you said, right. It's all about our mindset and, 
and it's just amazing. And um, so really this prison time was like this healing journey through like for yourself, right? Was it like this, like full body healing journey? And, and uh, how do you explain that? Yeah. So the healing really started to take place in those first eight months. Um, I was exhausted, man, from carrying around all that harm, all that trauma, all that pain for so many years. I was exhausted and I was ready to let go of it. I just didn't know how. So when I was locked up in my cement box, it was the perfect opportunity for me to reflect and really identify what was harming me. What was I still holding on to that I hadn't let go? And how was it affecting me in my life? You know, and so once I was able to identify what it was, it was the pain from my parents leaving, uh, the harm that they caused through their addiction and through their ways. Um, then from there, it was like, okay, what action can I take to just let go of this? Like, I don't want to be held back by this anymore. I don't want to continue to let this affect me. I don't want to have to use drugs and alcohol to numb these feelings out. And for me, writing was such a powerful process and so therapeutic. And I kind of stumbled on this process because I was locked up with nothing but uh, pencil and paper. And so I started writing letters to specifically my parents, forgiving them for any wrongdoings, anything that they did that hurt or harmed me and my siblings, I let go of it by forgiving them. And I didn't realize in this, in the midst of it, that it was for me. It wasn't for them. I thought that I was doing it so they didn't feel guilty for me going to prison because I didn't want them to be upset or worrying or anything like that. But it was for me because I was the one that was still holding on to that resentment. And only I could be the one to heal myself. They weren't going to do it for me. No one else could. I had to let go of it. And so by writing and acknowledging these things and having that emotional release in the midst of those letters and crying and really accepting my past that it did happen, I can't hide from it, you know, and being sober and able to feel those emotions was so transformative because if I had been drinking or taking pills, I would have been numb and it wouldn't have had the same effect. So from that moment on, I felt like I released so much and I let go of so much of the past. Now I could start to build this new life for myself. Now I can start to breathe life into this new person that I had always wanted to be. I was just scared to be. And that's what I started to do. Wow. That's so amazing. It's uh, the, the forgiveness process is so powerful and that's uh, that's a beautiful way to do it. And I'm curious if this, um, this writing this book specifically, if there is more release, if there is more healing just through the writing process, because for me personally, when I've written a couple books, it's like every book is just so it's, it's for me in a way to release things, but it's also for the reader, obviously, but it's, it helps me so much to actually write it all out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, writing has been something that's been a part of my life ever since I was incarcerated, uh, journaling and just reflecting. It's such a valuable tool because um, we learn about ourselves so much and we're able to release emotions that get pent up. So when I started writing the book, I didn't expect it to be as emotional as it was. Um, there was times where I cried, man, um, reliving stuff from childhood that I wrote about that I thought that maybe I'd let go of. And it wasn't, there weren't tears of, it was different. They weren't like, it wasn't sadness. It was just, there was still a wounded person inside of me and I had to acknowledge that. So it wasn't me being sad or upset. I think it was just sad that that happened. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but definitely writing the book um, was a very emotional process for me. And it, it did continue to facilitate healing and growth. Absolutely. So, so what are some things you work with your clients on as far as mindset and journaling? Like how, how do you help them transform and, and gain some of the insights that you have now? 
Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, sometimes it's going through that healing process you just mentioned, or we just talked about. Uh, a lot of times, if we have limiting beliefs or things from the past that we haven't let go of, we have to start there before we can really build a new foundation to grow upon, because we will always be limited in our growth. Like there's always that thing holding us back. And a lot of times people can't identify what it is. They know it's a feeling. They know something's going on, but they're not sure what it is. So we really start there for a lot of my guys. Um, and that that takes place through a conversation like this. And I have various writing assignments that help to provide more clarity for them and guidance. Um, and then from there, it's really creating uh, a new compelling vision that's going to guide them into this next chapter of their lives. So what do you want and why do you want that? I call it 2020 vision, right? If we could like draw up your ideal life, your dream life without limitation, without holding back, if you could write it out, what would your life look like in five to 10 years, right? Um, in all facets. And this is really important because a lot of people have an idea of what they want, but no one sits down and writes it out like they're writing a novel. And when you do and you put that detail into it and you paint the picture with your words, um, it changes something in people. It, it changes the way that they're looking into the future and the way that they're looking at themselves. And the next step, and this one's really, um, it, it's profound. And some people are a little taken back by it, but they like it after the fact, is writing out your own obituary. Because now we're looking at the end of your life and what do you want people to remember you by? What are your major accomplishments? What are the things that you know people will talk about for years after you're gone? And what are they saying at your funeral or your celebration of life? What kind of person were you? What did you do for your community, for your family? I want them to get real clear on the person they want to be, right? Um, like creating their avatar. Because if we don't do that, the likelihood of us permanently changing our lives and the way we live are very slim to none. Uh, we always revert back to our old ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving because that's what we know. That's what's been reinforced um, through our actions, through our lifestyles for so many years. So we have to break that and, and recreate it to an extent. Um, so then when they write out their why, which is the next thing I have them do, that creates that new emotional connection and attachment to that vision that we cultivated. Um, why do you want to you know, lose 100 pounds and quit drinking? And um, why do you want to be a better dad? Like, what does that really mean to you? And this is when the tears flow. <clears throat> and when you can get that emotion going within, that can create a new emotional uh, connection and, and create new neural networks to what you really want um, that are compelling man. So then when we go into phase two, it's all about your habits and routines. What are, what are the habits and routines that you need that are gonna actually turn that vision into your reality? And what are the things that you're doing now that are not serving you in getting that? Like, oh, okay, drinking on the weekends, um, you know, eating unhealthy, um, sleeping in, you know, we, we cut all that out and we help them to devise empowering routines, morning routine, nighttime routine. Um, what kind of fitness and nutritional um, program are you going to be on? What are you doing to stimulate your mind? What book are you reading? Um, just so much stuff across the board so that if you look at the person they were last year and the person they're going to be next year, you see the difference in the way they're living every day. Now you're going to see the difference in the outcomes they're getting. So when they go through those transformative steps, and now we're doing you know multiple calls per week uh, as a group, and we have a private community where we're holding each other accountable and supporting one another, uh, having that outlet too, and these guys get to talk and share stuff that they don't tell anyone about, that's where this transformation takes place. So um, that's really my coaching program in an overview and how I'm working with my guys. Oh, wow, man. I love that. That is such a beautiful process. Thank you for sharing that. And the, the obituary part, like 
I've never heard that before. That is, that is really powerful to look at that in depth. I love it. And so when is this book coming out? When can people get a hold of it? Where is it going to be? And how can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So the book is set to launch January 12th on Amazon. So it's prison of your own is the title of it. If you search it on Amazon, the hardcover will be available as well as the ebook. And people can find me on Facebook at Sean Michael Crane. They can find me on Instagram at Sean Crane Coaching. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, Sean Crane, Prison of Your Own. Um, so those are three platforms that I use. And I have a website as well, SeanMichaelCrane.com. Nice, man. And uh, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like to, to talk about or any question I didn't ask you? I mean, we covered a lot, man. You know, I think that um, just so much going on this year, this past year. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of positive things going on in my life. I mean, the coaching program, I'm able to serve so many people and that's my purpose. That's what I love to do. Writing this book was something that I first envisioned inside that jail cell. And now it's coming to fruition. So for anyone listening, when I first was incarcerated, I was writing letters back home and my writing was horrible. My spelling was horrible. I didn't go to high school. I didn't, I didn't apply myself. So I thought I wasn't intelligent and I was getting letters back from people with corrections in the margin saying, oh, you spelled this word wrong. Oh, you know, this doesn't go here. And I was embarrassed and I was in my cell writing a letter and I kept asking my cellmate how to spell certain words because I didn't want to keep making these mistakes looking like an idiot. It didn't make me feel good. He threw a dictionary at me and hit me in the shoulder, a little small pocket dictionary that I still have to this day. When that happened, I had a choice to make. And the choice that I made was that I was going to become the best writer that I possibly could, that I was going to educate myself every day, despite the fact that I was in prison. So I read that dictionary front to back numerous times. I started quizzing myself like I was a fifth grade student every Friday on these vocab words that I didn't know, that I looked up, uh, that I read in a book or words that I didn't know how to spell. And I changed my perception of myself. Suddenly I saw that my effort um, did, you know, result in something beneficial that I could change my intellect, that I wasn't dumb. I just hadn't applied myself. So then I went on to prison and this gave me the confidence to take college courses where I got multiple degrees in prison and I continued to write and I fell in love with this whole side of me that I never knew existed. And that gave me the confidence and the idea to write a book about my story when I came home. And now it's coming to fruition, like I said. So the message is that no matter how down and out you are, even if you're in a prison cell like I was, or you're going through this pandemic, when you apply yourself to doing something and you continuously strive to like overcome your challenges and to better yourself every day, you will be amazed at what you can do in your life. Like, I don't care how um, far stretching this goal is, how grandiose your vision is, it can come to, your, to reality for you uh, as long as you don't ever quit or give up. And so I just want to share that story because uh, I wasn't born this great writer. I didn't have the idea to write a book. It was something that came to me through this process of transformation. So that's, that's what happens when you start changing your life and following your heart is these doors open up for new experiences, for new, opportun new opportunities that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to experience. Oh man, that is so amazing. And, and after reading your book, it's like, you are an amazing writer and, and uh, that is a profound story. I love it. That's very inspirational for me as a writer. So thank you for sharing that. And, and I just want to thank you, Sean, for coming on the show today and telling your story. And I really hope anybody watching, anybody listening, please 
go check out Sean Michael Crane and his websites and his YouTube and, and pick up the book when it comes out on January 12th because it's an amazing read and uh, really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for being here. And um, yeah, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. All right. Thanks, everybody.